In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the Internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. Good morning and welcome back. This is Brad Furlan, your host of Vermont Viewpoint here at WDEV in Waterbury, Vermont. Snowy weekend. Uh, Saturday was nice. It allowed me to lug hay from one barn to another and uh, throw a Christmas tree out into the pasture so that my sheep were happy as can be. They just chow down Christmas trees like you can't believe. All the way, even the bark they love to eat. So it's pretty amazing to watch, and they were very happy. We had a nice talk with Betsy Bishop and a lot of callers. If you want to join our show, give us a call at 802-244-1777. We value listeners' uh, opinions and questions about the issues that we're talking about. We're going to continue our discussion now. Uh, I want to welcome to the show Representative Scott Beck and Representative Casey Toof. Welcome this morning to Vermont Viewpoint. Thanks for having us. Good morning, Brad. Yeah, good morning to both of you. Uh, both have been guests in the past, and uh, we appreciate your service to Vermont as legislators. And we can we'll talk a little bit more in the show about the rigors of running. Betsy alluded to it, uh, but first of all, um, start with you, Casey. Just tell us a little bit about your background, and uh, you know, your public service is something that not everybody does, but you. You've thrown your hat into the ring, and you've been doing it. Yeah, I've uh, thanks. Thanks again for having me on the show. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I represent St. Albans City and St. Albans Town. Um, I've lived here my whole life. I, I ran for office once in 2012, and I lost by 14 votes, um, which was a little discouraging. But uh, it's part of the process. I came back and ran in 2018, and uh, this is my third term. Um, I'm currently on the House Education Committee, where I serve as the ranking member, which really only means I'm like third in line. So if the chair and vice chair are down or not in, I, I get to run the, the meeting. But uh, um, I have two kids, uh, so we're pretty busy all the time. I know Scott has kids, and he's dealt with this. Um, you know, we're a citizen legislature. We're, we're more of a, a public servants and politicians. So I spent this whole weekend uh, at a hockey tournament. So just a little bit about me. Yeah, and. Were there influences in your life, uh, Casey, you know, people who were involved in, in politics that steered you in this way? How did you get involved? Yeah, so I first started when I was in college. Um, I, I was on the Governor Douglas' uh, re-election campaign, and um, that was back in 2008. And so I've been involved in the party this way or that um, for about, well, I guess about 16 years now because we had a new year. Um, and uh, I've been I've been involved in some races. I worked on some set local Senate House races. I've worked on lieutenant governor races and stuff like that. So I've been involved for quite some time. And um, it's been really nice to see what we've been able to do, uh, specifically with our party in Franklin County, and get you know moderate Republicans elected up here. And uh, we're trying to get more people elected across the state now. But, um, yeah, you know, Governor Douglas and, and his staff, 
Um, you see a lot of people that are on the Governor uh, Scott staff that you know I've, I've been friends with and worked with for a long time. So there's been a lot of people. I don't want to forget any names, so I won't name them. <laughs> right. Uh, and so, Representative Beck, you've you've also been on the uh, show with me, and you're a man of many hats and uh, a business person, and uh, you're in the military, a naval flight officer. We had talked in the past about how sort of heart pounding it is to drop a jet onto a aircraft carrier. Uh, one of, one of your feats uh, doesn't quite compare to the legislature, but uh, it's, it's certainly uh, unnotable. Uh, and you've been there a while, right? I have Brent. This, um, thank, and thanks again for having me on as well. Um, I'm in my I'm in my fifth term, tenth year. Um, first two first two terms, I was on House Education Committee, was in there for Act 46 and Act 173, and then uh, the last three terms, I've been on the uh, Ways and Means Committee. So more of the the money issues, yeah. Tax, yeah, taxes and revenue. Yeah, taxes and revenue, and we'll definitely get into that as the show goes on. Uh, so Casey, uh, as Betsy pointed out earlier in the show, it was sort of a pomp and circumstance week. The governor uh, had his uh, state of the state address, and uh, it was quite um, well received from what I read and hear. Uh, what was your impression of, of the governor's words? Yeah, I thought that his, uh, his speech, it really spoke to Vermonters. I think it's coming from a point of, like, you know, what What do the people need? What do the people need this year? We've seen, um, you know, I, I bet, like I said, I ran in 2012 and we were running on affordability back then. And it's still the issue now. And we've seen last year we raised $500 million, half a billion dollars in new taxes and fees. And he's telling us this is the first time that a lot of us, since you know, I wasn't in in 2017. So I didn't know what it was like to deal with a budget where we didn't have hundreds of millions of dollars in surplus or hundreds of millions of dollars of um, federal funds that came in. So we're going to have to buckle up. Um, and it, there's a few things that really stuck out to me, you know, when he spoke about the 14,000, 28,000, and 48,000, um, the 14,000 fewer kids in 2012, 28,000 fewer adults um, age 40 to 54, and 48,000 more people over the age of 65. It's just there's a demographic issue. We need uh, – we know we need housing. We have concerns about public safety. And, of course, I mentioned that affordability thing. These are really important issues that not only are my neighbors, but people that are stopping me on the street are telling me that they can't they can't get taxed any more than they are. And I think the governor is really speaking to that. And we're going to have to buckle up this year when we look at the budget. So when you say buckle up, um, you're, you're saying the legislature. Obviously, the taxpayers have to buckle up, too. But... Um, mm-hmm. the legislature has to look at this in a serious way. Does the, the majority, um, party of the legislature, are they in, uh, agreement or, or, uh, sort of, is there a, you know, how, how is that going to work? Yeah, I, I, I don't want to speak for them. I don't know what their plan is. Um, I know that they've been, there seems to be like not so much of a concern as the governor's putting up, but we'll see that more when his budget's presented in three weeks. Um, and we'll know kind of where we're at. He mentioned a 3% increase across the board, um, which, you know, when you look at our school budgets and um, 
we're looking at 18.5% increase in property taxes. Um, there's a lot, you know, inflation, a lot of things, a lot of factors, healthcare costs, a lot of things that are affecting that. Um, but people, you know, when they go to the DMV and they pay their, their bill this month, they're realizing they got a 20% increase in their DMV fees. They, they're going to see a payroll tax um, implemented in July. There's a lot, and when our property taxes come out, I, I'm hopeful that we will come up with a solution without raising taxes. But I, I think that when you look, when, when they look at the, the taxpayer looks at their wallet or pocketbook, they're going to say, we're really strapped. So I don't, I don't know what the plan is from, from the majority, um, but I know that we're going to be fighting for um, kind of these, these main important affordability topics that, uh, that the governor was speaking about. So Representative Beck, when uh, I was talking to Betsy Bishop off air, I made a, a sort of a statement to her that I felt like the pendulum was swinging a little bit that Vermonters were going to pay closer attention and feel the feel the pain, so to speak, if if that's a word to put towards taxes and expense and stuff. And uh, off air, she said, "Nope, I don't think so. I don't I don't think." You know that's that's going to happen as readily as you're saying, and I'm paraphrasing. What what are your thoughts on that? Are 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 you as a legislator? Are you hearing people having any kind of? Uh, are they cheering what's going on, or are they frustrated? Well, I wouldn't say I've ran into anybody that's cheering what's going on. I have ran into uh, many people that are frustrated, and um, when they you know, hear about increases that are being proposed and whatnot. But I think maybe what Betsy's trying, I mean, we do have a a, a a number of people in the state of Vermont, and their perspective is is that there's no problem that government can't solve if they only had more of the taxpayer's money. And there are a lot of people that are in that bucket. Um, and you know, I, I don't share that perspective. I don't think he, uh, Representative Tooth does either. Uh, but there are a lot of people in that in that world, um, which is, you know, for the people that are in that world, is very frustrating because, you know, I think Vermont is the fourth highest tax state. Um, if the, <laughs> we get 18.5% um, education tax, we're going to climb the ladder a little bit there, I think. Uh, and that's very frustrating when, we're also a state that has average incomes. I mean, if we had the highest incomes in the in the in the nation, and you would expect to have the highest uh, taxes in the nation, also probably, but that's not the case. And so, is it difficult to get people to run? I think that's one of the things um, Betsy was alluding to. And you both have run as Republicans and been successful. She was kind of saying that you know maybe that's hard um, to do in. in in some respects, what, what are your thoughts on that, um, Casey? Oh, oh, Scott, you are representative back. You can answer if you want to. I heard you jump in. Okay, I mean, I, you know, I think I think it's I think it is difficult to run. Period. I mean, it, the legislature requires a tremendous amount of time and commitment, um, regardless of what party you are. It's very difficult to to um, mesh in with a, a career. Um, but, you know, the Republican layer, I, I think, you know, the last um, six, uh, last six years, last three elections have, have been um, very difficult um, for Republicans. And a lot of that stems from the um, what's going on at the national level. 
um, mm-hmm. as far as where the national GOP is and uh, where the former president um, is in that conversation. And um, Vermont is a long ways, politically, a long ways away from what the rest of the country is, where they're at. And that make, that does make it difficult for Republicans. We're and ta- if I, yeah, go if ahead. I jump, yeah. Um, and for me, you know, I'm, I'm 38 years old. I have two kids that are eight and seven. Um, I know Scott served when his kids were in school. It's very difficult to take the time off and drive two hours every day to get down to Montpelier and serve. Um, my job, they've been fantastic with helping me, um, you know, with my time off and when I'm in session and how I'm going to make that work. But the problem is, you know, I become a part-time employer or employee. And so I lose a lot of the benefits that come along, like paid time off, matching 401, uh, uh, 401ks. So it's really hard to ask people to serve and walk away from their day job, especially people that are making money and have, a, a, you know, the ability to set their family up for a better life and um, kind of just step back and go and serve in the legislature. So it's really hard to recruit people that are able to um, serve, even though, you know, our laws allow people to serve while they're working. Well, we appreciate both of you um, for for your service and for stepping up for that. We're talking with Representative Scott Beck and Representative Casey Tooth. I want to go back to the governor's address. Um, start with you, Representative Beck, again. Uh, what were sort of the high points of, of what he was saying to not only you, the legislators, but to Vermonters? What what were the things that really resonated with you? Well, I think, you know, for me, it was um, just this, what I, what I jokingly call this, our our back to the future exercise this year. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, is, you know, we're on the, on the good side of COVID um, from a standpoint that we put that in our, the pandemic in our rearview mirror, but, but we're, we're, we're back to the, the, the pre-pandemic days, which means that you have um, budget pressures that are growing faster than the economy and the tax revenues of the state of Vermont can support. And so when you get to that point, you have, I mean, a lot of really, really difficult decisions need to be made. And um, as the governor, I think, pointed out in the speech, we have a, I'd say probably about half of the people in the legislature right now, they don't remember the the pre-pandemic days. They just weren't there. And so that to me, I thought was the theme is that you've got some really tough, we've got some tough problems here on the housing mental health, uh, flood recovery, um, and preparing ourselves for the next flood. But we're, we're back to the, you know, the good old days, if you want to call them that, where the economy is growing at two or two and a half percent a year and revenues are growing at about that amount as well. And when that's the reality and people are looking at, you know, adding new programs and growing programs at three or four or five percent, um, that math gets really tough really quick. So what about that though, Representative Beck? If, 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 you know, we, in the, earlier in the show, we were talking about math. If the math doesn't work, how do these things pass? What, what happens there? Well, I mean, if, if, um, if, if the math doesn't work and tough, nobody wants to make tough decisions, then the only place, there's only two places you can go. One is to deficit spend. And that is not something that historically the state of Vermont has done. Um, or the other is to um, increase revenues. 
and increasing revenue. Places you can go. Yeah. Um, so you talked about housing, mental health, um, flooding, which unfortunately has become sort of a more of a reality than we would we would hope. Uh, Representative Tooth, what what were some of the things that that you heard as well from from the speech that really hit home with you? Uh, I mean, Scott hit hit on some more some important things there, but you know, housing. I think the one of the biggest things we're 6,800 units short of where we need to be, um, and you know, Act 250 has done its job to slow and even halt um, development. Um, but it's time we need to look at what we need, what what the state needs going forward. To, and and so those are kind of some things. Um, but I think his willingness to work together, I think at the end was like, let's work together. We can do this together. We are going to have to, we're going to have to look at um, the old way of doing things. Like like uh, Representative Beck said, we have about a third of, of our house, our new members that didn't live, you know, they've only lived through, ARPA money and ESSER money, money that's coming from the federal government and large surpluses. I think we're going to see spending down. Um, you know, income tax will be down. You'll see uh, um, sales tax might be down. Uh, so, you know, with consumers spending less in the state. So we're going to have to figure out where we're going to come up with the, these revenues if we're going to have to raise anything. I am not one that ever likes to raise any new taxes or fees. Um, and that's something that Governor Scott did for six years uh, or yeah, for six years when he was in office, and last year when they overrode his veto was the first time we, we saw under his leadership when um, we'd seen any increases in taxes or fees. So I think those are just some major things that we need to look at. And how, how, like I said, housing is the number one thing, number one priority in, in how we build. And, and there is ways to do it. There's responsible growth, and that's what we have to look at. What kind of responsible growth can we have that meets the needs of every community in the state of Vermont, not just one town or one county, um, we look at all 14 counties and where, where the needs are for the where, where we can do um, responsible growth. And it gets a little complicated. Uh, you, It's not just having a home, right? You could bring somebody in from out of state, but they also need uh, a job. They need a livelihood. They need a sort of a, a social attraction to an area. And in in you know, we hope they also need schools for kids so we have a future that way. Uh, so it's not like you can just throw homes everywhere, but is there any kind of could, – could the legislature or the, or the governor propose some sort of magic exemption, so to speak, to, to Act 250 where you have a 100-home goal and, and really look at really just getting it done? Either of you, I, there are some some bills and ideas circulating around of um, where scenarios where Act 250 uh, would not uh, be be in play that something else would perform the regulation. Um, I, you know, one idea is is maybe that certain municipalities could substitute some of their own regulations for Act 250. Um, and I think there's there's so there's a lot of other there's a lot of ideas about Act 250 out there. But uh, Representative Beck, in in a way, there is, you know, the the local level of of uh, permit approval is, is yeah. pretty stringent. Um, maybe it it's, seems to me it's almost looking at it the opposite way of letting the local uh, control issue a permit without a lot of oversight above. 
Yeah, I think that is the idea that in, in cases where um, where municipalities have um, regulations that are, you know, appropriate and uh, that that they would be able to be used instead of an Act 250 process. That is an idea that's being um, thrown around. Yeah, and maybe legislature is pretty famous for having things at sunset. Maybe maybe you can you can do something that it would work well for a while and then say, well, we'll we'll be able to shut it off. I don't know if that's possible yeah. or not. Yeah, maybe a, a window to meet the crisis and then also use that as an experiment and see how it goes. Yeah, exactly. We're talking with uh, Representative Scott Beck and Representative Casey Toof. They were in the State House this week uh, listening to the governor's address. We have a couple minutes before the break, but I'll ask you, um, the governor makes, you know, they, there's a lot of thought, obviously, that goes into addressing the legislature. Are are light bulbs going on or is this same old, same old uh, and, and it'll be business as usual? Well, I, I'm hoping that it's not business as usual. I hope we really take his words and we take a look at his budget and we don't just crumple it up and throw it to the side. Um, I know in in a few committees, you know, in, in our judiciary committee, they are taking up public some public safety stuff, retail theft stuff. Um, I know in education, we're looking at some kind of, um, <clears throat> is, you know, school construction and how to look at our 21st century schools and how it's going to look like going forward. And because, um, you know, we are concerned. I know there is a lot of concern about the increase in property tax. That's not just a that's not a party thing. I think everyone is really concerned what that's going to do to their constituents. And I think they want to find out how we can ease that. But like like, like uh, Representative Beck said, um, you know, there's two two ways to look at it. You know, you've got to raise new revenues. And that's not something I want to do um, as a legislator. Yeah, the I jokingly say that um, eventually the, the change that falls into our couch in the living room will be uh, part of the revenue stream. It's it's how I do groceries once in a while. I, so, uh, and then of course the the bottles. Uh, when we return bottles, we have a little more income as well. Uh, we're talking this morning with Representative Scott Beck and Representative Casey Tooth. Uh, they both are legislators in Montpelier. We're going to get a little bit more into the uh, education funding with both of you. I know you have a, have a lot of experience in that and. Uh, it's a big ticket item for Vermonters in the future. And I also want to talk a little bit more about you, with you about sort of the elected process and, and, you know, sort of how to stimulate people to uh, become part of the democracy that, that you serve. Um, from your experience, gentlemen, this is an election year. I know it's only January, but does that help at all in terms of sort of what's going to happen in the next four months in terms of how it impacts Vermonters? Uh, either one of you answer that? I, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab at it first. Um, I think, you know, for me, um, where we are in the election cycle doesn't really matter. Um, we should be focused on good policy um, that helps Vermont move ahead. And I hear people say all the time, you can't do this in election year or you can't, can do this. And you know, I, I've heard it so many different ways from so many different people. I don't even listen to any of it anymore. I just am focused on good policy. 
Okay. What about you, Representative Toof? Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem sometimes that people would be a little cautious to do stuff, but I I try to legislate um, like it's, you know, I'm, I, I care about my constituents every time I make a vote and that it's it's based on what, what I feel that's good for them. But, you know, you could see that where you don't want to make too big of a change on an election year. I think there's a lot of change that happened last year that go into effect this year. So we saw the DMV fees increase, the, um, the payroll tax will be implemented. Uh, you're going to see some of the votes we made on the um, that will affect the, the property tax. That, that's going to go into effect this year. So um, you might see some things. I, I don't know. I don't really know what the what the drive is or what the goals are for this year for the majority. But um, I like to think that we should be legislating like, you know, we're always up for, for reelection. Yeah. So the. Uh, there can be anywhere from 800 or 900 bills in a, in a legislative session. Um, many of them get passed. You, you both have been in, you're in two committees and, uh, have, have served for a while. My question for, for both of you is how do you keep up? And I'll, and I'll add on to that. You know, we've come through a, uh, pandemic and uh, in flooding and all of that. What? How do you? How do you keep up with all of this so that you can make informed decisions? Um, it's really hard. We don't have staff. We are basically just us in our seats, and we have one chair in our committee room. Um, so we, it's really hard to keep track of it. But we have good communication. I think being in the building, um, this is one of the hardest things. But during the pandemic, when we were not in the building. It was much harder to have conversations with people, um, but building relationships with with many different people and different uh, committees. It's good to have those conversations, and and you get a little buzz about who's you know what what uh, what big bills are being worked on. So you kind of keep your eye on those, and then you can just go talk to those people in that committee and have them explain kind of what what's going on in there. And um, they, they, you know you get alerted. Uh, when people say, oh, this bill's coming. So it, just communication and building relationships really helps. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Representative Beck? I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a dinosaur. Um, and I think 800 to 900 would be awesome, Brad, but I think it really is usually over 1,000 plus <laughs> the Senate. Wow. Um, I, I, am, I, I approach this from a dinosaur perspective. Um, myself, I request, and every, any legislature, legislator can do this, but I don't think many do anymore because of technology, but I request that every bill that's released into the House or the Senate, um, every morning when I get to my desk on the floor, it's there. And I go through every one of them. I um, at least read who submitted it and what the statement of purpose is for that bill. And that clues me into which of those bills that I actually uh, need to read in, in full um, and or what conversations I have to have. But I find that it's, you know, on an average day, it probably takes me, depending on the, the I mean, anywhere from one to 20 minutes to do that. And then I have a really good feel of who's doing what in the House and who's doing what in the Senate, either an individual member or a committee. And then that's where I start my process from. Well, kudos to you. I, I'm not sure that I have the aptitude or intelligence to do that. So I commend you for that. Now, when you say it, it, this bill comes to your desk, is this, does that mean that it's something that actually may see some action versus something that sits in committee? Um, 
No, and most bills don't, you know, as far as the number is concerned, don't make it to the finish line. Um, so, you know, you're looking at a lot of stuff that's not going to make it anywhere, some stuff that will. But what I find is really beneficial is, is that by looking at who's submitting the bill and what the intention of the bill is, you start to get a really good feel for who's, what people's priorities are in the different, the House and the Senate. And then um, that gives you a good base to start conversations with them. Uh-huh. And, and understand better what they're trying to achieve. Right. Uh, so you both have served on uh, House Ed, and education is certainly one of the, the big spending components of, of Vermont. Uh, I can start with you, Representative Toof. What, what are you seeing there? Uh, that, you know, we obviously, we, we pride ourselves on educating our children, but it's very expensive. What, how are yeah. we going to work with that? Um, I, you know, it, it is concerning. We've seen, um, I think we're about 30,000 students less than when I was in school 20 plus years ago, um, while the spending has increased. And, and there's a many, many factors. I'm not placing blame on, on anyone. We need to just look at where we're spending. Um, and, um, and how we're doing that. And I think we're, we're going to get to that point, but um, education is really important to me. You know, like I, I mentioned twice before, I've been an eight year old and a seven year old. And, you know, the fact that we see um, we're like a little bit better than middle of the pack as it comes to the other States. And we're, I think the governor mentioned we're like second in spending. Um, I'd like to see better outcomes. Um, but one thing that concerned me this year, uh, we took some testimony. Uh, we passed a bill a couple of years ago on school construction and, you know, we had the AOE, uh, Agency of Education, came in with predictions of what it's going to cost uh, with deferred maintenance. So it was like 2007, I believe, the state stopped um, stopped aid to schools when it came to school construction. And so since then, um, so about 17 years, a lot of schools have been deferring their maintenance to, to, to their buildings, you know, roofs, um, windows, floors, things like that. And uh, the prediction that AOE came up with is it's going to cost us around $300 million a year for the next 21 years to fix all those um, falling apart schools, which just adds to another layer of we spend $2.1 billion, and now you're looking at another 300 to $500 million a year to address that. So that's going to be one of our focuses this year on how we're going to address this going forward. Uh we are going to go to the phone lines. Thank you for that, Representative Two. Uh, we're going to the phone lines. Uh, Bill from Middlebury, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I think I have more of an observation than a question. I've uh, worked in municipal government for going out about 25 years. And in the communities that I work, um, one of the observations I've seen is that uh, planning and zoning has become very comprehensive uh, with respect to very thoughtful uh, people going through um, different plans for developments, um, and Act 250 is very redundant, um, in my opinion, uh, with respect to that. And I think that laying the um, responsibility on the local governments, uh, since they are much more informed now than they were back in the 70s, um, when Act 250 was uh, originally enacted, uh, is uh, where that permitting process really should be. Uh, therefore, getting rid of layers and layers of costs for these developers to be able to uh, create uh, housing, which is obviously a huge problem. Um, if you have any comments on it, I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. Thank you for the call, Bill. Uh, gentlemen, comments? 
Yeah, I would agree with those comments. I think that, um, you know, in, in many cases, uh, our municipalities are much more capable of dealing with the issues that Act 250 was intended to solve. And I think we really should l look at uh, re removing a layer and, and letting the local local people make some of these decisions. So is there a conundrum with that, though? Is is Act 250 actually a, a revenue source for the state that maybe that's one of the components of hanging on so heavily or, or not at all? I, I haven't heard that. I, I suspect that, you know, like most fee-based um, programs, the fees pretty much cover the work being done by the state. But mm -hmm. so I don't I don't I haven't heard that it's a moneymaker. Yeah. And I don't know that it is. I was just curious. Um so, Representative Beck, uh, with education, you know, we're we're having a decline in our students. Betsy was telling yeah. me that the uh, the lower grade, the elementary grade, we're, we have real low numbers, and uh, yet spending is as high as can be. It seems. Um, where where do you, how do you figure out a balance sheet on that? Well, um, to be sure, our you know, our um, pop student population has dwindled. I think uh, this year is down to 83, just over 83,000 students. Mm -hmm. um, and our our districts um, have not, uh, really have not been able to bring down the um, staffing at a, at a similar rate as the decay in the students. Um, and, and that really is, you know, I think that's the crux of the, the issue we have to solve here is that, um, payroll, the, the, what we pay the people that work in the buildings is about 80 to 85 percent of all of our education spending. And we know that our staffing in those buildings is statewide is about four to one. If we were five to one, we'd be an outlier still. And so that is the big challenge is we, we have to, across the state, we have to right size the number of adults that we have in these buildings that are working with our children, and as Representative Tooth pointed out, um, our results are, are pretty average and not going in the right direction. And so we, you know, we have to right-size, improve results all at the same time. Um, but we need, to, we need to get to work on that pretty soon because also, as Representative Tooth pointed out, um, we have some serious bills coming due as far as school construction is concerned. And I don't think that Vermont, with average incomes, can afford a staffing ratio of four to one and high quality school buildings. So you you raise something that's of interest to me, and I I really don't understand it very well. I know that uh, the tax pool goes into sort of a, a big fund for state education. So local school boards, what is, what is their function financially? If they want to cut, uh, you know, tighten the belt and they're really, you know, conscientious about that, um, what I've heard is it sort of penalizes them because for, for doing good action. Is, is, can you help me with that? Well, I, I wouldn't say it penalizes them, but um, what's going on is that the school districts, their their tax rate that they receive is pretty – it's connected, but it's pretty loosely connected to their spending decision. And so right now when a um, school decides to, let's say, add a, add a position, it doesn't really impact their rate that much. 
And likewise, when they decide to you know, shed a position, it doesn't really impact their rate that much because they're so loosely connected. And so that provides a recipe where it's, it's fairly easy to add a position or retain a position, but there's really not much of an advantage to right-sizing a position. And, you know, when you, when that whole dynamic plays out across, you know, a hundred school districts over many, many years, that's where you end up, which is where we are right now, which is a staffing that's about four to one. And, you know, this, I think national average is like about six or seven to one. Mm, quite a, quite a discrepancy there. Talking with Representative Scott Beck and Representative Casey Toof this morning. Uh, Representative Beck, I want to, um, Drill down a little bit with you on what you just said. Uh, if there are fewer students and there's still sort of the same amount of staff, how can the legislature, it, can the legislature even deal with that? Is there a way that, that from, from the Montpelier side of things that you could bring a remedy to that? I think there is. Um, I don't know if, I, I had a commentary circling around the state, and it probably hasn't got over your way yet. But um, the the core problem here is, is that is, is that the money that the districts are presented in what's known as the yield and the tax letter, it, it's too it's it's the, the money is not expensive enough for the decision that they're making. There needs to be a more a closer connection between a district spending decision and a rate. Right now, the decision is based on a, a number that makes that spending decision seem very inconsequential to them relative to what the true impact will be. And if we um, if we more closely connect them, I think we can solve this problem. Uh, this was this was part of a, a House bill that left the House and was voted on in the House in 2018, and it, it got lost in the tax commission in COVID, but. We need we need to circle back to it. Uh, we can't continue to uh, show districts uh, money that's far less expensive than what it actually is. And Representative Toof, you're on House Ed. Is, is this a bill that can see some light again? Uh, probably could. We deal with a lot of policy stuff, so that's why I defer to Representative Beck. Any kind of uh, Ed fund questions, he's my he's my expert in uh, the in the. I think he, I would say he's the expert in the House on that, but. Um, yeah, I mean, there would be, there, there could be something we could do. I don't know if it would ever get taken up or what we would, you know, how that bill would look like. But yeah. So could do is kind of an interesting term, <laughs> Representative Duke. <laughs> uh, so either of you is, do you see some political will for for remedying some of these spending issues that are that are so challenging and have been identified? Um, well, yeah, I, 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 I'm, like I said, I don't know what the priorities with just one weekend, what the priorities would look like, um, for the majority party that kind of decides where we go in the committee. Um, but I know that there is concern. I know that's what we're talking about. I know that's what, um, that's like the biggest thing on our mind is what's going to happen to these school budgets when they go to vote. And if they have too many that get voted down, what's that going to look like? What are we going to have to do as a state? Um, if, you know, we haven't seen this large of a tax increase in in my time involved in politics um, in, in the school 
So it's going to be interesting, really, to see what kind of direction we go. We are going to go to the phone lines now. We have uh, Mike from Milton. I want to welcome you to the show, Mike. Thank you so much. I'm just wondering why we haven't uh, put a casino up to stop everybody from around us going through our state, going to other casinos. They don't even buy a hot dog or a gallon of gas. If we had a casino here, we would at least get the tax money from that. And I don't know if it's possible, maybe rooms and meals tax could go in and throw it all into the school tax instead of raising any more um, property tax. Thank you for the call, Mike. Uh, either gentleman, you have an opinion about casinos? I'll, um, I'll weigh in on that, um, Mike. Um, you know, I think we, we've, we just did sports betting, which goes live here in a few days, I believe. So that could be, I think, considered a step towards a casino. But I think the bigger thing it picture is, is that I think the concern is, is that the property taxes and that the revenues from this could be used to offset property taxes. Um, I think not, we're not very well known to most people in the state of Vermont is, is that um, we have had recently an explosion in sales taxes and rooms and meals taxes and purchase and use taxes that are available to the education fund. And when those revenues show up, um, it actually has the effect of making the money even cheaper to the districts. And obviously those increases in revenues haven't slowed down the, haven't slowed down the spending. So while I do agree, it's always um, to our advantage to, uh, find other revenues that could go into the education fund. Um, in the end, the net effect is there. It, there's no change in the property taxes on, if the districts don't change their spending decisions. Interesting, and I, I'm intrigued by the sports betting. I don't watch a lot of TV, but I was watching a little bit this weekend, and there are actors who are who are talking about Vermont and I'm I'm going to myself I wonder if they even know where Vermont is or have they ever heard of Vermont in the past so <laughs> it is getting promoted that's for sure yeah it is yeah. um so we've got um a little bit of time left in the show this morning I want to offer something that uh it's an old uh thing that Charlie Papillo my uh our host on uh the Travels with Charlie video series, we used to offer our guests a magic wand. And you've listened to the governor's speech. You've, you're both, you know, have served in the legislature for a while. Could you, we have about, a you know, two minutes left, but c- could you quickly give me your top magic wand issue if, if you were ruler of the world? Um, I, I, I'll go first, uh, Representative Beck. Uh, if you could okay. get me a magic wand, first of all, it would be to get more people to move to the state of Vermont. Um, and I think a lot of those things that we talked about, housing affordability and, uh, you know, public safety, lowering crime, um, those are things that will improve the state of Vermont and get more people to be able to move here. Um, I was out yesterday. You were talking about your Christmas trees. My Christmas tree's still up. But I was out yesterday shoveling snow, and I was like, why do we still live here in this freezing cold pushing snow? Um, but we stay here because we love the place. Uh, for me and all of my family's here, and it's a place that I really love. 
And so I want more people to come here and share. And the more people you have coming here contributing to the tax base, um, their kids in school, more kids in our schools makes our schools actually cheaper to run. Um, that's kind of like, that's my magic wand. Like, let's go and have uh, more people move to the state of Vermont and increase our population. And Representative Beck, in about 30 seconds, can you, can you wave yours? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, 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 if I had my magic wand, I would make it so that the cost to construct a home is less than the value of the home. And it's not right now in Vermont. It's the other way around, which is what is a big factor in preventing homes from being built. Yeah, I've been hearing that. Uh, I want to thank you both. This is Representative Two and Representative Beck. Uh, thanks for your service in the legislature. We'll have you back uh, as we move along in the session and uh, he- hear if, you know, our dreams can come true. Uh, appreciate you both being on the show. Thank you for having us. All right. Thank you, Brad. Yeah, take care, guys. This is Brad Furlan. It's Vermont Viewpoint at WDEV here in Waterbury, Vermont. At 1 o'clock, uh, Travels with Charlie, Charlie Papillo, and, of course, Bill Sayre comes up next.